Oh, snap, snap, snap. The world is finally waking up to the crap that's baked into and sprayed on kibble dog food. No longer can commercial pet food manufacturers fool us with pretty pictures and false promises. This is the raw dog food truth. The view and opinions expressed on this podcast are not intended to replace medical advice. Before starting any raw diet, do research, ask lots of questions, and consult your vet. Well, hello, Raw Feeders. I'm Dee Dee Mercer Moffat, the CEO of Raw Dog Food and Company, where your pet's health is our business. And we're friends like my friend, Dr. Judy Jasek. Well, we don't let friends feed kibble, do we, Dr. Jasek? No, not on Wednesday or hump day or any day. No kibble ever. What about, you know, I was talking to somebody and I I did a podcast uh, last night on cats, cats and kibble. And uh, yeah, I did. And I would, and because, and how bad it is for cats on their chronic, you know, kidney problems. But I was talking to someone and they were like, well, I've got the, oh, it was somebody at Home Depot and he saw our truck, right? And he he Uh, was, and he was talking about raw and he was like, um, yeah, you know, I go away for about a month and a half and uh, my neighbors check on my cats, but I have these feeders that just dump that kibble right mm-hmm. out every day. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I know. I know. It just kills so me. Awful. Especially for cats. I mean, they're, I mean, cats are obligate carnivores and they need that moisture. Yeah. That's why so many cats have kidney disease, like you said, because of those kibbles. That's awful. But people, you know, love convenience, like get over it. Like, I mean, isn't, isn't your pet's health worth a little inconvenience? And it's not even, and it's not even that, and it's not even that inconvenient, you know, like, I mean, I feed Max three times a day. The hardest thing is remembering like, Oh, sorry, Max, you probably want lunch. (laughs) (laughs) But don't you think, I mean, even if you decided Max is pretty young, but if you said, I'm just going to do twice a day, he's not going to die. No, he'd probably be fine. He'd yeah, probably be fine. But you like it. You like feeding Max three times a day, right? I do like, I do like feeding him. Mm. I, I like spoiling. I like spoiling my, I like spoiling my animals, my chickens and, and, and everybody. So. <laughs> well, is Max as loving as the chihuahuas? Well, he's, he loves with his mouth, which is a little challenging. You know how puppies are yeah. mouthy. Um, he's less needy. So it's really nice. Like he's very, like he he does like to come, you know, he's a puppy. So he'll like to come if I'm sitting on the floor and cuddle, like we don't let him on furniture or anything. So I sit on the floor and he likes to come and be close and he'll crawl in your lap. And, and he likes to, he likes to do all that, but, but he's also really into like the chihuahuas. I like, I was like, I have eight other legs because they were constant, like anywhere I moved, they followed anywhere. I'm like, they were constantly there, but he's like, he's more independent. Like I was saying, you know, we'll go out for our walk in the morning and feed the chickens. And, and then um, he'll just hang out on the front porch and just hang out and, well, you know, maybe find a shoe to chew on or, you know, a, a green tomato out of the garden or something, but he's, he's confident to just be out there kind of being on his own, which is really what I want. We want a dog that hangs out on the homestead and is kind of a, kind of a guardian. So, um, so I like his personality. I've been taking him out to parks. I found this really cool park with this. It's a cool playground. It's like built, it's kind of like a castle theme. They built it out of wood. So like the equipment's kind of integrated into it though. 
but they have like these bridges, like they have bridges that are like a, basically like a big rubber mat and one that's like planks on a chain. So it moves and, and all these slides and stuff. So I go there and I like just take him on all the stuff. We went down the slide yesterday and it's like different stuff um, to expose him to. And I take him out like that. And he just does great. Walks really well, loves people. I, lo I mean, just like if he hears kids playing, he just can't get to him fast enough. I think he grew up around kids. So he really, really loves people. So, you know, it's amazing to me. Yeah, he'd be a good guard dog. Uh, it's amazing to me how much easier large dogs are than little dogs. I mean, they no. just are. They're just, I mean, yeah, they require training and they require more food, right? There's mm -hmm. nothing that we can do about the food bill uh, between the Chihuahuas and Max. It's right. a, a big difference. <laughs> it's a it's it's a big difference. Yeah. It's a but huge difference. It's a huge difference, especially with a growing puppy. But, you know, but you know, it's, it's, he's... He's worth it. He's he's a good boy, and and yeah, he, he they are. They're just because my last round with Chihuahuas, that was the first time I'd ever had small dogs like that, and they're just so much more, you know, so much more drama, and like they don't like to get their feet wet, and there's just so much emotion. I mean, you know, and I mean Max, like I think he peed in the house for the first like day and a half. That was it. He knows supposed to you know, and we're here, you know, we can get him outside. But the other night he actually barked. He woke me up about four 30 in the morning. And, um, and it's kind of surprised me. I'm like, Oh, I wonder if he got to go out and sure enough, yeah, beat and pooped. So he knew enough to wake me up, you know, to say, Hey, gotta go. So that's pretty cool. Nice. Just, so just wicked smart, you know, and, and no vaccines. So nothing, you know, damaging his little brain. And I don't know. I don't know. You might need to take him to the vet soon. Oh, God. I just think about, you know, pumping that poison into such a cute little puppy's body. It just makes me sick. Yeah. Someone asked me the other day, do I need all these? Lepto and feline or not feline, but the Luke, uh, what is it? Uh, canine influenza, blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like, if it were me, that'd be a hard no. Um, oh, but you know, got to make those decisions for yourself. Just understand that these are toxins, right? So, and which is something that we talked about on part two of the cancer webinar were toxins. What are toxins? And we really want to make sure that um, our pet parents understand what toxins are. So you went over that in part two, which was great. We have part three coming up this Thursday at 6 p.m. Mountain Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, okay? That's 7 p.m. Central Time. On part three, Dr. Jasek, what are we going to be talking about uh, on Thursday night? So we're going to get into a little more, like the more unique therapies, so to speak, the more cancer specific. So things like ozone and mistletoe and you know, there's different IV infusions, um, IV like high dose, IV vitamin C, uh, Chinese herbal medicine. I mean, these are things that you're, I think, I think the first two are things that people can do on their own, you know, more and, and how to correct their mindset, how to institute just some basic things that they can do on their own. Now, these part threes things, you're probably going to need to work with a practitioner to get you going on things. You're going to need to get some advice um, from a practitioner. So a little more advanced. And, and these are the things a lot of people come to me for, like, I want to know about that mistletoe. But with the webinar, we started 
with the mindset and the nutrition and the basics. And we're going to do some case examples, some fun um, case examples of some real life cases that I've worked with that kind of, you know, put everything together. Well, and, and what you get, you guys, out of coming to the live webinars, you get to ask questions. Okay. You get to kind of be in there because when I go in and edit, we do a lot of talking before and some after. And so um, on the downloads, that sort of stuff is going to be cut out because of course it would be a very, very long, you know, a very long video, but you get to talk uh, to Dr. Jasek uh, via the chat. If you want to come in there live with us, but we will have this uh, recordings and the audio, I mean, the video up on the site. Well, one and two is already there for purchase. So when you purchase, you, you will get an automatic where you can download it. Okay. And then part three is coming up on Thursday. Come join us live. Um, and I'm going to put that on sale today. Uh, yappy hour tonight. So look for that as well. Gosh, I'm so confused. I know. Right. Well, you know what? I swear to God, the week starts and I, I, it seems like I blink and it's Friday. Like mm -hmm. what happened? Where did like, did that time just evaporate? I swear no. I go into like a wormhole and then it's, it's know. almost, it's almost fall. And I have my 50 pumpkins and I think I really do have 50. Lined you, have 50 you grow, you grow pumpkins. They're fake. Oh, I'm out of Okay. No, well that, that, that keeps the critters from eating them and everything. Yeah. <laughs> I do put a few, uh, you know, real ones out, but the deer will come by. Yeah. yeah the deer will eat them. And then once there's a certain hole, then the squirrels get them. So they'll be happy, but no, we have, uh, almost two and a half acres. And so on both sides and in the front, I do put the, you know, the pumpkins that have steaks in them, you know, in the ground mm -hmm. and then the big fat, uh, white ones and green ones and all that kind of stuff. So cool. I decorate. I'm a fall. I love that. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Fall's Are, a great time of year. Cool and cooler and drier. It's cooling people off. Cause I'm thinking that there's a bunch of, you know, well, we see some crabby people and I just want to say this, you get more, you get more, um, help if you're not so crabby. You know, if you're not so mean, people are, you are catch more bees with honey or something than vinegar or something like that. There's yeah, I think like that, that people have gotten that backwards. Uh, but what we want to talk about today is something you sent me and it is coming uh, in the, I guess it's a, a it's a, a publication that the veterinarians get, AMA Life. Um, mm -hmm. This article that you sent me was on the importance of obtaining client consent, which you and I think that's very, um, that's very curious because we don't see that they're getting client consent. What did you obtain from this article? Right. Right. So just so everybody realizes this came from the insurance trust that probably 95 plus percent of veterinarians in the countries where they buy their liability insurance. I have liability insurance too because it's cheap and they're they're um they're designed to help veterinarians if somebody sues you or you know you have something go wrong in your practice and you're worried about being sued. The trust, this is a trust that will actually defend veterinarians if there is a malpractice suit. So this was something sent out to veterinarians 
explaining the importance of providing informed consent. And like you said, I found this very curious because most of the feedback, almost all the feedback I get from clients is they are getting nothing but these days. They are, I mean, they're, I mean, they're not getting informed consent. They are not getting informed consent. Uh, they're getting anything but, I guess that's what I meant. Um, but, but they're, um, you know, veterinarians these days are mandating vaccines. Pets can't even go in the clinic. I mean, they're not, they're not talking to, so informed consent, when it came, comes to something like a vaccination, informed consent would be your veterinarian sitting down with you, explaining the pros and cons, your pet's risk if they don't get the vaccine, potential health risks if they do get the vaccine. Their role is to help you make a decision by you know providing you with the pros and cons. Maybe you go over the package insert. I know none of this stuff is happening. And this article very specifically lined out to veterinarians what informed consent is and the importance of it. And what this tells me, so this is an insurance trust, right? They're in the business of making money. You know, they're they're looking at their bottom line. And when they send out articles like this, tells me they're getting claims like this. They are getting um vet, you know, um, veterinarians are starting to get pushback from clients and maybe being reported to their state boards or maybe being sued for malpractice because they are not providing informed consent. So I think this is a really good thing and it gives pet parents some ammunition. Um, I'm actually going to publish this, um, these suggestions in my Substack, um, what they recommended to veterinarians, because you could take that, go into your vet and say, do you know your liability insurance says this is what you should be doing? And I've had none of this here. That'd be, I, I think this could provide some really powerful uh, pushback from, from pet parents. So I, I think this is, I think it's a good thing. I think this is a good thing because the the thing that, any medical professional fears the most is losing their license. I mean, I don't at this stage, I'd figure out something else, but most of them, it's like that fear of losing their license or the fear of, of being sued, sued or getting in trouble with their medical board. If a pet parent can put this in front of a veterinarian that's coming from their liability trust, um, I think that would hold some weight. I really do. I would like to know what the relationship is between these insurance companies and the pharmaceutical companies, right? Because have you have you heard yeah. Edward Dowd talk? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's talked a lot about that. By the way, have you heard from him since the he, fire in Maui? Because he lived there. I know. I I heard Chris, my husband. He he heard some little clip, like somebody said something that they had heard from him, and he was okay, but no other real information. So yeah, that's kind of curious. I would have thought he would have come forward by now. Yeah, but. So he he always talks about that who rules kind of the roost are the insurance companies, right? They're mm -hmm. the ones that are saying uh, what we should and shouldn't do. And, and, and because they've got a lot of our money, right? Oh, Not yeah. that they don't have to pay out a lot of money, but you look at things uh, that happen like, you know, September 11th was this week and we look at what happened in New York when certain buildings went down that weren't even touched. And there was a whole issue about somebody had taken out an insurance mm -hmm. policy and then that building was gone. So it's very curious um, how the insurance companies work with these pharmaceutical companies. So my question would be this, I'd like to know a little bit more about why they put this out. 
if in fact you could actually sue a vet if what they're doing is under the standard of care. You and I have talked about that. If it's mm-hmm. standard of care, um, let's say to give, you know, a repeated vaccine or the flea and tick or the heartworm. We see the Facebook groups that have my dog died right after they got this shot or right after they, um, you know, were given this pill and they can link it back. But I would like to know, uh, are we able to actually sue? And I think that it's a good thing if you have this issue with these toxins, if you see your dog has a problem that, that you need to speak up and you need to at least try and uh, turn them in, especially with this now. If they didn't yeah. give you informed consent, which I right. I have never, yeah. Dr. never Jason, happens. I have never. never heard a pet parent say, "Yeah, I went in there and my vet told me that my dog, you know, could have the itchies for life, but I opted for it anyway." Right, right, and I think that's the key. You know, the because giving the vaccines, sure, that's standard of care. I don't think you could you could sue for that, but I think you could sue if your veterinarian did not inform you of the potential side effects, especially if you ask, this is where pet parents, I think need to go in and ask, tell me what can happen? What are the adverse effects? And then they're fully informed and then they can make that decision. So I think that's where you can go back on your veterinarian because you're right. It's, it's, if it's considered standard of care, that means that like, I mean, you can get chemotherapy, which is just outright poison. That's standard of care. So that's okay. You know, um, other alternative therapies that are not, you know, considered under that conventional umbrella come under much more scrutiny. Um, But yeah, so I don't think you could get them so much on the treatment, but if you are requesting informed consent and based on this, it's the recommendations of the trust and that, and that means you know, a consequence to the veterinarian is if the trust is recommending this and they're putting this information out, they don't follow it. They may not defend them, you know, or they might limit their, their defense for the, for the veterinarian, should they get sued if they were not following, you know, the trust recommendations. And yeah, I bet anything, these corporations are all, all linked and it's all about the bottom line. Insurance companies just all about statistics too. That's why, you know, I think that information is really valid, you know, and Ed Dowd is reporting on the health or the death rates and the, and the uh, disability claims and all of that, that are coming from the insurance companies. So yeah, I don't know. I, I hadn't really thought about that till you said that, like how pharma would enter into this, but that is, you know, that is curious, but you know, it all comes down, comes down to money. Yeah. Because if it's standard of care, um, and there are, and they, and they deny, 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 you know, like Connor Brady, he said, it's a four-step process. And that four step is you deny, deny, deny until you cannot deny any longer. Right. Mm-hmm. So you, you create the information, you own the information, you distribute the information, and then you deny, deny, deny. And I hear pet parents say, well, my vet said there's no, there's no studies that show that this particular pharmaceutical is dangerous to my dog. And, Mm -hmm. and yet we know that's not true. Now, I I mean, I, we've, we saw this with the whole COVID thing, right? No link, no link to the jab. 
all of these turbo cancers, which right before the podcast, I was listening to Dr. Harvey Reich on uh, American Thought Leaders. And he's talking about these turbo cancers that are coming up in folks now that that got the jab. Mm-hmm. But remember what we heard during that whole time, safe and effective, safe and effective. You got to have it. You got to have it. You're going to kill grandma. Mm-hmm. Right. And there is no way in sphincter that they did not have that information prior to that being pushed out there. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Of so they did. And yeah. then they put out, you know, these products, they say there was, um, you couldn't, they, the package inserts were blank on them. Like who in their right mind would have this injected into their body? Like they're companies that have immunity. It's experimental and you can't even read what's in it. You know, you know, you're mentioning the adverse effects of the pharmaceuticals. You know, if you read the insert on any, even an antibiotic or um, any, you know, your basic pain meds, like your carprofens, these things that are used really commonly, there's a whole host of potential adverse effects because if they're doing any testing at all or any studying, they have to list the, all the, you know, adverse effects that they're seeing, and those will be on the package insert. So any pharmaceutical is going to have some risk. They just can't not, you know, they're a chemical you're putting in your pet's body and and we don't know how your pet's going to react to it. And I can guarantee you there are adverse effects on that package insert. So if you're a veterinarian and saying, oh no, this stuff's completely safe, there's no risk whatsoever. I would confront them with that package insert and say, "Uh, well, what about this? Because they probably never read it. Yeah. And why, what, I mean, I know we've talked about this before, but you know, we, we focus a lot on cancer, uh, when we're working together and you see number one, um, a puppy and then they get their full vaccines and then they're itching for life. And then they go inside a point or Apoquil. And then a lot of times we see a cancer diagnosis. Why do you think that that line of protocol results in cancer? Oh, I think for a number of reasons. One, the inflammation that comes secondary. So vaccines, you know, the supposed benefit is that they generate antibodies against certain pathogens. So if your pet gets exposed, then they can fight them off, but it's activating the immune system, but it's through an unnatural route of exposure, meaning you're injecting those antigens underneath the skin, not, you know, normal route of exposure would be either ingesting them or inhaling them primarily. And then the immune system has time to go through this cascade of events. Um, It's the normal immune response. Well, when you inject this underneath the skin, it causes this inflammatory response, but it's an unnatural route of exposure. And I think the body just can't always resolve that. I think that's why we see chronic itching for life. It's a permanent disruption in normal immune system function. And the more vaccines pets get with more components. I, I, I heard that like, you can go to like tractor supply and buy a 10 way vaccine, like 10 different things. I had a client tell me they'd gone to like, I couldn't believe they even told me this, that they went to tractor supply and bought a nine way vaccine for their new puppy. And I said, they even make nine way vaccines. I didn't even know. So I looked it up. Yeah. They make nine way. They even make 10 way. Cause it had a whole bunch of different like, um, leptos in there. Um, but anyway, um, the, the, if you inject all those different antigens in there and it's an abnormal, so, so say even lepto, how do dogs get 
you know, lepto in nature, they would drink the urine of an infected animal. So it goes into the mouth and then the body can process that. But I think the immune system gets so messed up and the body gets so inflamed and the, and it, it just can't resolve it. We just get these chronic in chronic inflammation. It's like that the body just can't resolve. Plus you have all these toxins. And I think part of that inflammatory response is the body trying to get rid of these antigens and the, the chemicals, the, the formaldehyde and the heavy metals and antibiotics and all this stuff that's in the vaccines for preservatives. Um, sometimes the symptoms we see is the body trying to detox and it just sometimes just, just can't do it. And I think cancer fundamentally is toxicity. It's chronic inflammation and toxicity that the body can't resolve. So the cells actually change because of, um, it's, it's like a survival mechanism. They switch and then they, they can live, you know, there's, there's not normal, what we call apoptosis, which is normal program cell death cells live a certain amount of time. And then they die. Cancer cells get around that. And I think it's like, it's like a survival mechanism and they're, they're not normal. They're not normal cells at that point, but I do think it's due to, it's due to, it's due to toxicity. It's so interesting to me, you know, like people get so worried about, you know, the food and, oh my God, what about the bone in this raw food? But they'll do, you know, 10 vaccines like that. But I got, you know, I was saying before we got a little max three and a half month old. I mean, that dog eats everything, everything. I mean, sticks, you know, I keep to try to keep the rocks out of his mouth. Hopefully he hasn't swallowed too many of those, but, um, you know, bugs, I mean, frogs, everything. I mean, he found a dead bird chewing on that, you know? I mean, he, he eats everything and he's fine. Like he's fine. You know, like that's what dogs are, are meant to do. You know, I, I just let him, you know, live his, live his life out there and he's fine. So the fact that people I think get so hung up on, you know, you know, what did you tell me there that, that somebody told you their dog was allergic to organs or, or something yes. allergic, to you know, organs. they get, what? yeah, get hung up on these, these little things, but they'll pump these toxic vaccines into their pet. It's like, we need to, I think, readjust our way of thinking here. Well, and I, you know, I kind of wonder um, when somebody says my dog is allergic to organs, does that mean that you fed them just an organ meal and they pooped everywhere? Would that be pretty normal if that happened? Yeah. Right. Because there, there are some feeding protocols that say do bone on this day, do organ on this day, do, you know, meat on this day, let's do veggies on this day. Well, I mean, does A plus B actually equals C. And this is something that, um, you know, we're learning very much from Dr. Cowan on how to ask the questions right, of ourselves, of our veterinarians, um, in our minds, do we actually know that this is what caused that, right? Do right. we actually know that? Right. And I contend that I ask all pet parents to get that validation from their vets. When a vet says my dog went septic on raw, or they got salmonellaosis, or they, how, how did you come to that actual right. definitive answer? How right. did you do that? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Because there's a lot of presumptive diagnoses out there. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's, it's huge when it comes to raw feeding, the whole, you know, salmonella thing and sepsis. I mean, that's relatively new one to me that, oh, raw food causes, you know, causes sepsis. But I see this things like um, pancreatitis and things like they can just put a name to something and then, you know, scares people into doing, you know, whatever treatment, because it sounds, sounds really, really bad. Be like, well, your dog is septic and it could die. Well, even if that were true, was it really because of the raw food? Because if that dog had been eating kibble, they wouldn't say it was because of the kibble. They wouldn't say it, which is much more likely the dog would be septic from kibble anyway, because that's the toxic stuff. So correlation is not causation. Just because two things happen at the same time does not mean one cause the other. That's why we like to ask so many questions that irritate people sometimes, because we want right. to, we want to make sure that we have the whole picture because sometimes, you know, uh, I ask enough times what treats pets are getting. And then I find out that they're actually eating greenies that I didn't have that information beginning. And that makes a big difference when you have some, you know, real starchy treat like that. Yeah, you know, it's 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 uh it's curious to me that there haven't been more lawsuits against prescription diets. And we've talked about that in the cancer webinar, but when you look at the ingredients, you know, it's like how did we get to the point that we thought or who uh determined that that was a good idea? Who determined that that was healthy? And then you mass produce it billions of dollars worth of crappy sphincter food. Um, I, I don't think, I don't think any thought at all went into, is it healthy? The thought went into how much money can we make and how do we market it? Right. That's what they're, that's what they're focused on. Nothing to do with health. No, has nothing to do with health. And then the problem is, is that now prescription diets, I will say are more expensive than your regular, you know, food, uh, that you can get in the grocery store, which aren't really any different. Um, right. But then you then you get it in your head that a dog should be able to be healthy on a dollar a day. <laughs> and I'm right. like, well, I I don't know how you get there. I don't yeah. know how you get there today with inflation. And there is nothing that I can do about inflation or about... Um, all of the price increases that are coming to manufacturers. And I think, or producers or distributors, and I think this is the plan, right? Is the plan is to disrupt the the supply chain mm -hmm. to um, to do things that cause people not to think. I mean, this is, we're just seeing a, a crumbling of, of uh our country and so before you go out and want to you know slap somebody upside the head because they've raised their prices right everybody that i do business with has raised their prices why because yeah, you've been to the grocery store lately it's crazy i mean you can't uh, so anyway i hope that people will push back in all areas that they can because it is going to affect you it's going to affect your pets whether they are Max's size or the Chihuahua size, right? It's going to affect us. And we need to push back. We need to push back on informed consent, make sure that we're getting it, ask lots of questions. If you tick them off because you're asking a question, so be it. Practice asking questions, okay? Yeah. And they they work for you. Like, remember, who who's 
who's writing the check or giving the credit card at the end of the visit? It's you. That veterinarian is working for you. So you do have the right to call the shots and demand the services that you want. And if if they resent those questions, then you go someplace else because they're not going to be honest with you. A good, solid, ethical practitioner would be happy to to answer those questions. And, you know, maybe even in respect for their time, make an appointment uh, before your pet needs to go in and sit down and go through, hey, am I going to be, you know, are you going to use informed form consent whenever I bring my pet in here? These are the guidelines from your liability trust. Um, are, are you going to be following these? I'd like to know before I need to bring my pet in, you know, pay, Good. probably be worth paying for an office visit and just doing that. Sure. Now you're going to post that on your Substack. Give everybody the link to the Substack. This is where Dr. Judy is going to be posting um, articles, information, things like this cons- uh, informed consent that you can download and take. W- what's the link to your Substack? JudyJasicDVM.substack.com. Okay. And Jasic is J A S E K. Okay. JudyJasicDVM at substack.com dvm okay. not dmv not the department of motor vehicles. yeah the department of motor vehicles <laughs> <laughs> that's right all right everybody listen uh join us tomorrow night that's thursday night right here 6 p.m on my website um under the uh, shop there's going to be a menu that pops out there's one that says educational webinars go there uh sign up for this uh, part three, these are going to be the alternative things that you can do if your pet gets diagnosed with cancer. Part one, part two are also there uh, for purchase. You can download those. Mindset is first. Then the second part is nutrition and toxins. And the third part that we'll be doing tomorrow night is going to be the alternative um, therapies that you can use. So get over to rawdogfoodandcompany.com where your pet's health is our business. And what, Dr. Jasek? friends don't let friends feed kibble not on hump day not on tuesday not on any day that's right (laughs) all right everybody we'll see you soon bye-bye bye oh snap find out how you can start your dog on the road to health and longevity go to rawdogfoodandcompany.com where friends don't let friends feed kibble and where your pet's health is our business just snap With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.